Alright, hi guys, and welcome to another episode of KC Caffeine. Uh, this is a special report. I have a s- extra special guest. He's been on a couple times, and every time he does, um, he knocks it out the park. Hey, Todd. What's up, Jason? How are you? Pretty good. Um, it's just the two of us today. Uh, Blue is not feeling well, so we wish her well. Um, get better, get Blue. Get better soon. You're my oh, girl, oh. Blue. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you um, about a couple of different things. Um, first off... Uh, how are you? How you been? Been alright. Training camp started, so I'm a little tired, stressed. Got a ailing mother, science infection I can't shake, but other than that, it's just, I mean, who am I to complain? Well, yeah. I mean, you're Todd. That's <laughs> kind of just a thing that we do. Um, let's, let's, let's jump right into this, because we've got a lot of stuff to unpack today. Um, as you guys all know, there was... What I'm calling a terrorist attack, because that's what the it absolutely it was. was a terrorist attack in Charlottesville, um, yeah, in Charlottesville. And I want to let's start with kind of that whole timeline because I woke up on Saturday after not really paying attention to the news or anything. Um, I didn't even know there was a Unite the Right rally going on. No, I had. I, I'm probably the same way. I. Apparently, they were upset over the removal of a General Robert E. Lee statue on or near the University of Virginia campus. Um, but I, I mean, I, I figured they'd protest. There'd be a counter protest. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say I've become numb to it, but I think I think some of that stuff we have. I mean, we saw it with South Carolina had a similar issue a couple of years ago. You know, Mississippi just went through the same thing with you know with. Confederate flag as a part of the state, you know, state symbols, and yeah, ironically enough, it was Nikki Haley who who was like, uh, "We're not doing this," you know, who took no, who took it down in right. South Carolina, yeah, and uh, um, you know, so which makes me wonder how Nikki Haley feels about uh, the weekend's events, but well, I think that it's <clears throat> there were two major things that I I kind of thought on this, and I've made the joke um, a couple of times, but you know. That white privilege exists when you use tiki torches to <laughs> protest. Everybody loves focusing on these tiki torches because because they're so like, like because the image is so preposterous. Like yeah. you just see the you know these white guys just standing there, and you know that they're talking you know about you know white power and 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 you know. This saying these these horrible things and and don't don't please don't miss I believe in the right to free speech. You are free to say whatever the fuck you want to. You are also free to get your ass whooped. You know what I mean? Like you know it's but to ha- hear these people, you know, to see these people and and kind of know what they're saying, you know, and know that that they're spewing this hatred. Uh, you know, and they're holding tiki torches in which they purchased from Walmart, Big Lots, Kmart, wherever. You know, and it's like, you guys don't even see the irony in what it is that you're doing. Yeah. You know. It, and, it really, for me, it harkened back to, have you ever seen pictures of a Mississippi cross burning or something like that? Right. You know, where where hooded you know, Klansmen are marching, you know, holding those old torches. Um, I, I mean, the, the imagery there was, was, it was pretty clear that's what they were going for. Right. And, and it was meant to be an intimidating show of force. But 
I remember thinking, um, boy, history would look different if Walmart had been open in the 1800s in Mississippi because right, they'd all had tiki torches back then. But I was like, I said, you know, it, it is, it is, it is a test. I said, it's a testament to the delicacy of white nationalists that you can't even, you know, of today, that you can't even be bothered to take the kerosene and soak the rags to make your own torches. You have to go to the Walmart and get citronella candles well, because yeah. mosquitoes are painful. I was just, no, I, I, you know what? I mean, <laughs> look, if I was in the middle of a protest and it tamped down the mosquitoes, I would appreciate it. So. I mean, I said, I, I posted on my Facebook that there are, that there were no mosquitoes found in Charlotte. Now. No. So we, maybe we need to give them credit for, for, you know, maybe it was a strategic decision um, because they didn't want to, you know, it was cheaper than off. So maybe these people are smarter than we give them credit for. No. We're no, not, we're not going to go there. No, okay. We're not giving them that. Although I will say that they probably pushed all the mosquitoes towards us, so that's another reason why <laughs> I can tell them to go fuck themselves. Um, but it's there's a couple of things that I found really interesting, and it's going to kind of bring into um, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you uh, so badly about it is there has been a a and I'm only look, looking at you know come basically from like my Facebook feed. Um, while there is a lot of you know, this is terrible, this is hate speech, you know, this, these are, are horrible events. I've noticed that the same people are were also the people who were, you know, pro-Colin. And then the ones who were, you know, calling Colin Kaepernick Cal- 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 a traitor and, and all of these things for, for standing up. Because both of these things are protests. Mm-hmm. You know, both of these things are in very different ways and for very different reasons. They're both protests. Um, there was a lot of silence, you know, about what the, and not calling it what it is, you know, there was a lot of, oh, this is a terrible tragedy, and oh, you know, this is really sad, but, you know, the only thing that fights hate is love, but they're not calling it, and even our president won't until today, you know, when apparently he got dragged by everybody. Johnny come lately, yeah. Right, you know, wouldn't call it what it was, you know, won't say this is you know, a uh, white supremacist hate group, and this was a terrorist attack, and this is what this is. You well, know, but it, it was on many sides, Jason. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that, I don't know, that stuck in my crawl when he said on many sides. Cause it was it should. A, it was definitely an afterthought. Like, it was almost like he had this prepared statement, and he felt like he needed to qualify, qualify by saying on many sides. And, you know, judging from the reaction of the right, you know, or the, I won't say the right because that's hard. That's, I don't mean all of you, but judging from, you know, the white supremacist groups, they were like, he wasn't talking to us, you know, like, you know what though? I, I do put it all on the right. I mean, uh, and part of it is because these are the same people who engaged me when he was elected and said, oh, just give him a chance. And, you know, you need to be fair and this and that. And, And I would say, listen, I have friends who were telling me that they're being called the N-word when they're driving to work in their car at stoplights, like by, by electing this clear race baiting asshole, this charlatan, this know nothing, this, this man who stands for everything we should be against in America. And I, I still believe that that is who Donald Trump is. You know, you're emboldening these people. You're saying it's okay. You're sanctioning the, the, you know, the racist elements. And they, they said, no, no, you know, they, they would try to say, no, that's not, I voted for him because of this and this and this. But you, you don't get to pick and choose, like, you know, like, 
you know, you don't get to pick and choose what, you know, the consequences of your action. There, there's collateral damage there, right. okay? And you have to own it. I'm sorry, but you have to own it, okay? Because the collateral damage to me, what, whatever good you thought that this man could do by shaking up Washington, um, which he clearly has failed miserably, miserably. at. But what, whatever good you thought he could do, you needed to weigh that against the bad things that would come along with it. You made a choice that you were more willing to to hope that he could shake up Washington and stimulate the economy, which was already growing again, by the way, and and, and fix these problems that you had perceived um, at the expense of emboldening, you know, racism. Uh, you know, and, and further dividing the country and, and further, uh, you know, and, and, and embracing the, the politics of hate. Um, you know, so I do put it on the right. If you voted for Trump, this is also what you voted for. You don't get to parse this just because you say, well, I'm not racist. Now, I want to wonder because I listened to the first ep- the episode that we did right after the election. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that you were on. I said that... If you voted for Donald Trump, it was one of two things. Either you are racist or you were at the very least okay with racism. Apathetic to it, sure. And I got a lot of flack for that. You know, it was very much a, well, no, there are many many different reasons why. And, and, you know, you can't paint everyone with that same broad brush. And, and it's, I'm looking kind of back on, on that whole thing. And I said, everything... We are living worst case scenario um, in the sense that the path that we're on now is what we, as in, you know, people of color and, you know, and gay people and women and liberal, we're all saying, hey, if you do this, if he gets elected, this is where we're going. This is what is happening. And it's like we're watching the train wreck happen and we can't do anything to stop it. I'm I'm grateful for he and his administration's ineptness and infighting. <laughs> yeah, because well, if the, if if they weren't tearing themselves apart like jackals, um, and and they had any policy experience whatsoever, things could be a lot worse than they are. I agree. Um, that's as that's why as much as it's annoying the, the tweets and and as much. You know, as, as unpresidential and just unseemly as a human, as it seems, some of the things he says about people's facelifts and and just the the personal attacks he launches on, that just they're just not presidential. They're but but more than that, they're just not decent. Um, they're not the they're not something that decent folk do. He's just he's a, he's a he's a horrible human being. Okay, but. Um, he can't draft a piece of legislation and you can't vote on a tweet. Uh, that's like the Coast Guard thing. I mean, everybody lost, you know, got up in arms about the transgender thing, um, you know, but they can't actually pass, as far as I know, they haven't actually been able to pass a resolution well, or, they, you know. It's not, even, it's not even that they can't even pass a resolution. He made, he, I think that Donald Trump feels like tweets are policy and he can make a tweet and he's trying to run the country in the same way that he ran his organization by saying, this is what I want you to do. Now go do it. Now someone goes and does it. And what he doesn't 
seem to understand, which I hope he never gets, so please don't listen to this, is that he has to give some sort of direction other than this is what I want. And great for us that he is so inept at the job um, that he can't even get health care. <laughs> he can't even get his health care bill passed with control of Congress. Thank you, Jerry Moran. You know, it's... There is a... Plus, I think that he also... He, you know, he said he was going to drain the swamp. And I think what he meant by that wasn't necessarily what we thought he meant. What, what He was going to get rid of the people who... The establishment people that were there that had been there for a long time. But he was going to fill them with people who were sympathetic to him. What he reminds me of, and this might be hyperbolic, but if you ever read like the beginnings of dictatorship, this is kind of like, he's kind of following that strain where he's getting rid of people in positions who are knowledgeable of their job and kind of know the law and know what their job is and saying, I'm going to get put people in, in charge who are sympathetic to me. And I'm going to put, put people in charge who I know will do the things that I tell them to do. It's how we got Jeff Sessions as Secretary of State. It's how we, you know, it's why... Attorney General. Attorney General, I'm sorry. It's why we have Rex Tillerson as Secretary of State. It's, you know, these are people who don't have the experience. Oh, you know, maybe you could say Jeff Sessions has experience as Attorney General, but he's also, you know, anytime the Coretta Scott King cusses you out, like, you should probably examine your life. Yeah. But it's it's. He would not have been my choice. He would not have been. He would have been <laughs> Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Is all I want to say. I don't trust anybody with that many syllables in their name. Um, but he. These are all people who are sympathetic to his to him and and are willing to do the things that he wants to do without question. And you always know when there's dissent because he just gets rid of them. You know he just says, okay, I'm done. You know, when, and that's why he's upset with Jeff Sessions. That's why he fired James Comey. That's why, you know, all of these things, all of these people, I think even Scaramucci, you know, who has, who was in his office less than a period. Um, but there was a, a, there, I think there was a level of dissent there. You know, there was a level of, and it's why we still have Steve Bannon around. Because, you know, I think Steve Bannon is the person who will tell him what he wants to hear, even as he's doing things to actively undermine him. Well, I think he's also been marginalized a bit, um, uh, which is encouraging. Um, It's actually the one good thing about the nepotism in this case, um, that I think there's some infighting with Trump Jr. and especially Kushner, uh, you know which is keeping Bannon at bay a little bit. Um, and, and here's the thing. I know he aligned with Bannon, and, and he's not going to get rid of Bannon because he needs that alt-right presence because that's... That's his base. Yeah, and, and that's why... Look, I, I don't even think... I don't think Trump necessarily... I think Trump would have come out and condemned the white supremacist stuff if it was just Trump. Right. I, I think he would have come out and said it. I, I still see Bannon's influence in that because... He doesn't want to sacrifice that part of his base because he knows he doesn't win the election in the first place. And he has certainly has no chance at re-election if he doesn't keep these hate groups mobilized. Well, and David Duke tweeted, you know, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact words. But basically, look in the mirror. 
um, and know that w- without us, you wouldn't have gotten here. And he's talking about, you know, the white supremacist vote, the alt-right, you know, and, you know, the, the, the clans vote. He's talking about those people and are the reason he got into office. And it's... To, to me, that was, not, not to go too far back, but to me, that was the biggest sticking point I had with some of my friends who were fairly reasonable, but tend to lean conservative, when they were just so insistent, now I'm going to vote for Trump because I always vote Republican. And, and I wanted to say, like, you see who else, you see who's championing this right. guy. Like, when, when you start finding yourself, like, in lockstep with Nazis... Like, maybe you should, I'm just saying, take a step back and try to see the forest for the trees and see if maybe there's something you're missing, you know, in your, like, strict adherence to, like, some sort of party dogma. You know, maybe in this case, like, like saying Nazi bad, you know, is, you know, Trump's gun rights or... Or abortion or something like that. And, and clearly for a lot of people it didn't. I mean, and, and I know abortion's a, a, a hot button issue, but for me that would have been an eye-opening thing. Like if, if um, you know, if, if Fark had come out and endorsed Hillary Clinton, I would have had to take a step back and say like, why are like, um, you know, uh, guerrilla terrorist groups... Uh, do I need to re-examine what I'm looking right. at here? Yeah, that would have been a red flag for me, and clearly well, it wasn't for enough people. And 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 we don't know how many people made the soul did that soul searching and said, you know, okay, this is really weird, but this is this I don't align with the, these things, you know. But and I think a lot of it was you know, not to kind of go back and re-legislate the next election again, but I think a lot of that was a a, a an, the Hatred for Hillary Clinton and the Clintons in general, yeah. you know, trumped the. They were able to look past the gross stuff because they hated Hillary so much. And it was it was a good job by the right of like getting the email issue to stick and things like that. And there were a lot of things I thought that stuck to Hillary that I don't think the public had a great understanding of. The significance of it. Like, I don't think people actually understood the email issue. I think, I think Fox News had just screamed Benghazi, Benghazi, Benghazi for so long. And then a lot of people decided, oh, the emails are probably what was responsible for Benghazi. When nothing could be further from the truth. Right. Um, you know, and, and the emails, if you actually drill down and figure out what was, what was happening there, um, it, it was poor judgment on her part, but... It certainly wasn't a treason or any of the stuff that people want to go so crazy about. And, and to me, it speaks to her judgment. And there were other things that spoke to her judgment, whether you want to talk about the Goldman Sachs speech or whether you want to talk about some of the, the money that, that the Clinton Foundation, you know, the, the donations they had accepted. Um, yeah, I, I'm not saying that Hillary was a saint, not but a, not at all. What, what always perplexed me was how you will crucify Hillary for that and say she's untrustworthy, but then you look at all the shady shit that Donald Trump has done, whether it was hiring illegal Polish immigrant workers, you know, in his, you know, or hiding money in offshore accounts, or or his 
you know, business and real estate dealings with Russia, uh, any number of things that speak to his character, not even getting to, you know, his, his failed marriages, the way he treats women, the hateful things he says about minority groups. And even whether you think it's her effect or not, like he basically called all immigrants rapists, right? you know, and things like that. There were a lot more things there that to me spoke to his character, but people don't seem to apply the same standard um, about those things. Like they they just kind of shrug uh, Donald Trump's obvious character flaws aside and then tend to uh, crucify Hillary for it. And I never understood that double standard because I, I'm well aware of the flaws of both candidates. And, and in a perfect world, I wish we had had um, another candidate. At the same time, I'll say, I don't think there's ever been a candidate who was more qualified in terms of previous job experience for the job of president. Right. And Hillary would have done a much better job. And it I wouldn't have been as entertaining, perhaps, because she wouldn't have been tweeting as much. Um, but the government would still be somewhat functional. Well, and I think that it's it's... This will. This is going to tie us into the next thing I want to talk about, um, which is North Korea, because God, because that's a quagmire in and of itself. But it's things could we could. I feel like if we had had Hillary Clinton as president, you know, in the alternate universe where things go right and you know, <laughs> up isn't down. Mm-hmm. The 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 news of the day that we would be discussing, you know, wouldn't be, you know, who knows what it would be. Maybe, you know, it would be actual policy. And I think that's where, you know, again, where I think that the, the campaign went left is that we didn't discuss policy. There was no real discussion on policy. Um, part, no, no real discussion on policy. Well, and part of that's because I, I don't think policy resonates with people. It goes back to the fundamental misunderstanding of the, the email issue. I, by and large, I don't think the the voting public um, understands tax reform, uh, has any real interest in tax reform. You know, I, I think they just they you pick a side, whether it's blue or red, Democrat, Republican. You know, what whatever team you decide you're going to play for, and then you just assume, or the vast majority of people just assume that. Whatever they say must be true. right, must be in our best interest, whatever. They're against abortion, therefore this tax, this health care plan that Trump's proposing must be good for me. Well, no, it's not. It, it's basically a tax break for the rich, and it's not going to solve any of your problems. And if you think, if you're unhappy with what happened with the markets and, and Obamacare, just wait till you get your freaking bill after they've stripped out protections and wait till you start hitting your lifetime maximums, you know, again for your pre-existing conditions, or you just get flat out denied, right. um, you know, because you have pre-existing conditions and things like that. Um, <clears throat> you know, wait till you have a child, God forbid, that has health issues, you know, and, and you fight that struggle on a daily basis. But I think people just—it's almost like it's almost like it's a Royals Cardinals game to most people, and. You know, it doesn't matter if the Royals pitcher's being a dick and throws it a Cardinals player's head. They're still going to back their guy because right. he's their guy, even if there's no logic to it, even if it's against their own interest, even if they don't really understand 
what the idea that they're supporting is. And I think that's what happens, you know, is, is we don't, we don't have enough people who can critically think, um, and examine and understand issues and, you know, and quite frankly, read enough to formulate opinions. I mean, the people who do consume news, I think too often get it in 20 second snippets from CNN or MSNBC or Fox news, whatever your, whatever your cable news poison is. Right. And there's a shallowness to it that, that makes for a very ill-informed electorate, um, that that's incapable of like actually making discerning choices. And I think that and I think that you're a hundred percent spot on. Although I do get my news from one Miss Rachel Maddow, and she's amazing, and we won't. But you know, I also understand. I I also know that, and I'm fully aware that I skew right, and that I live in my bubble. I think you skewed left, Jason. Well, yes, I skewed. I skewed <laughs> no, and, but, and it. <laughs> you know, I, but I, I'm fully aware of my bubble. As long as you understand that and you're aware, I, I, like a lot of people, I don't. I, I think there's a lot of people, especially I, I see it more uh, in my dealings with with right news people who read Breitbart or Infowars or watch Fox News and think that everything that they say is is true and factual and accurate and paints an objective picture about well, what's I going think the on. Thing that's, that's scary about those in particular because we don't really have one on the left. Oh, um, sure they do. I mean, they've got you've got nature. You know, I mean, there, there's plenty of like alt left, like ridiculous. I mean, well, not, Pete, nothing as big as as Breitbart. Pete is or, pretty damn crazy. Uh, I mean, Huff, I Huff Post has its moments. You know, I mean, there's, but there, I don't think there's anything that's as big as like say a Breitbart or an Infowars or anything like that on the left. There was, well, but that's because you Air America. You like that stuff, though. You like what Huff Post says, even though it's clearly. I don't really. Actually, don't really clearly read. Biased. I don't read Huff Post because it is biased. But I don't read. You know the. I will get my news. I will. I do a lot of my stuff from the AP, just because I try to get as much just reporting sure. as I possibly can. But if I'm looking for commentary, I'm going. And again, my bubble. I'm going to look for commentary that makes me feel like I'm smart. You know. See, and, and I, I guess I just approach it different. Um, I um, I enjoy reading commentary in the economist or the wall street journal from time to time. Cause those are, those are conservative leaning news outlets, but I think it's important to be able to see the other side sometimes. I mean, you know, there are things I, 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 I lean left. I mean, I, I believe that America is the most prosperous country, um, in the world. I believe for all our faults, um, we generally have a lot of freedoms that, yeah, you know, we talk about white privilege, but but I think everybody in America is guilty to a degree of American privilege. Well, and, and um, I mean, when you, especially when you consider the wider content, if you want to start bringing in Africa and, and countries like that, I mean, just the roofs we have over our heads, the cars we drive, the access we have to food, the cell phones. I mean, every one of us, you know, green, white, blue, you know, whatever. I mean. If you really look at it by world standards, we're we all are, filthy, we are stinking filthy rich, rich right. and we take a lot of that for granted. Now, uh, there are certainly degrees of that within this country, but but I think that there's some, some privileges that exist there too that that um, that we sometimes take for granted. But um, and now I've lost my train of thought. So why don't you go? Well, no, and, and, and I agree with you. I think that there is a we do have a there is a privilege here. And to kind of to kind of stick a pin in that because we you know I talk about being you know that 
I'm privileged because I'm male. You know, I have a male privilege. I have a privilege of being American. I have a privilege, you know, and, and but I recognize, I try to recognize my privilege whenever possible. Um, I also recognize where my blinders are, you know, and I recognize when I am, or I try to, and hopefully have a you know, circle around me who has, well, luckily that I have a circle around me who has no problems letting me know when I am asserting, you know, when I am, that is my male privilege talking. Yeah. You know, that is me being like, okay, Jason, you're being kind of a douchebag male. Cause I talk about, and you know, we can kind of get into it in a second, you know, the, the Taylor Swift issue with the, the guy and the sexual assault. I fully admit that I think Taylor Swift is a snake. So when I read the story, I immediately was like, but if you look at the pic, where's her left hand in it? That's all I want to know. Where's her left hand in that picture? We're not. No, <laughs> you know, sex, no one should be able, you know. And I said that. Well, I we said, can't joke about. We, we can't can, joke about groping now. We can. I mean, we we we. we just, <laughs> but I mean, nobody. I, and I will fully. I freed you. I said nobody should touch someone else without their permission. Yeah. You know, sexual assault is wrong no matter what. You know, my thing was is that I can't cape for Taylor Swift because I think she's the devil. You know, so I can't get up in my soapbox and be like, what happened with Taylor Swift is wrong. And just, I couldn't do it. But, you know, I had somebody check me and it was like, you know, if what if it was someone else? And I would be like, if it was anybody else. Now, what if it was Queen B? You won't ever. <laughs> you won't even be in the. You won't even be able to touch the hem of her garment, you jackass. <laughs> I mean, no, it's just it's it. But I, you know, I, I, I recognize that that's a block and and and. The reasons why that block exists, you know, is is what it is. But, you know, that's a block and it's something that I have to, to work on. Because if I stand, like, want to stand here and be this social justice warrior, in my air quotes, you know, I have to be able to stand up for anything, anyone who is wrong. And... It gets really tiring, though. It does get very tiring. It gets very tiring. Yeah, fatigue is real. No, and that's, you know, and that's why I, I do think that we there are times you need to pick your battles with some of this. Like uh, there are some things I just, uh, you know, I can't get outraged about every little thing, you know? I, I mean, I, I think political, well, but for me, I think political correctness goes too far. I think sometimes people, um, you know, like, like you were talking about, you might say something kind of dismissive or slightly misogynistic as a joke. Like when I'm joking about, uh, you know, groping or where Taylor Swift's left hand is, you know, like, there are some people who undoubtedly would be offended by that. But right. to me, if you're that offended and you want to have a conversation with me about it, that's fine. But we need to stop demanding apologies for every perceived slight on the on the face of the earth. Because sometimes a joke is a joke and you just need to let it go and grow a little bit thicker skin and focus on the bigger picture. Like the fact that there are fucking Nazis marching down the, street, the, the streets of America proudly holding Nazi flags. Um... In America, in 2017, and we have a president who won't condemn that. When Orrin Hatch, when Senator freaking Orrin Hatch becomes the voice of reason. (laughs) We should probably figure out what's happening. I'm I'm just saying, when Orrin Hatch is the one who is like, who is like contextualizing how heinous the, the omissions that Trump made when he spoke two days ago were... Uh, again, if if you're on the right and you're not questioning what the fuck is going on with the man you voted for as president, then you have some issues. Well, I think that it's a 
And and I, I try to play devil's advocate with myself in a lot of these situations. And, and I have a friend that's that I that's really good with doing that with me as well. Like she's completely on my side. You know, she's completely. She's like, I agree with everything you say, but I have to I have to play devil's advocate so that you can sharpen your argument. And I'm it's like, it's my favorite role. Yeah, you know, I know you do it all the time. But it's we talked about that, and we 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 talked about it in the context of. And we'll kind of switch circle our way back to Colin Kaepernick again. But um, we talked about the two protests in that context. And, you know, again, one was, you know, for equality and the other one was for supremacy. You know, one was a peaceful protest. The other one, we don't know what their intentions were. We know at the end of the day, someone rammed a car into, you know, into a group of people. We don't know how, what happened. We don't know. Well, we know what happened because we saw the video. But we don't know what led up to those events. What, you know, we can kind of surmise. I would but. assume poor parenting. <laughs> well, yes. Um, although, yeah, yeah. Can you just see the report from the, the, the statement from the parents? No, I'm just... The parents basically were like, he's not racist, he's got a black friend. Which literally made me almost throw my phone across the room. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm so tired of that as the, you know, that is the... So you can the fact that you can name the one. <laughs> yeah, he he's got a black friend, but he's never shake, shaking hands with him and won't let him in the house. Right. <laughs> you know, he just happens to know what black dude named Jamal somewhere. Have you seen said black friend? Like, do you know that he exists, or is he uh, just like? But it's it's looking at these two things and looking at kind of because there was a a very clear push in the beginning or at the very beginning of this to to make it very clear that you know, from certain people that the KKK was not there. They were not involved. You know, it was, this was another white supremacy group. And, and, and I'm like, they're all the same to me. Like, I just see, like, a hate group. You know what I mean? Like, I just... What, because all white people look the same to you, Jason? No, all people don't look the same to me. <laughs> like, come on now. No, but I, I mean, like, I do... Um, I mean, I, I, I don't have any sympathy for the KKK n- trying you know, to distance themselves from the bad which, PR of let's this. Let's think about this for a second. But the KKK is di- trying to distance themselves <laughs> from this situation. I don't have any sympathy for that because I think in a lot of instances, um, the KKK is a breeding ground for people who then take the next step to become neo-Nazi skinheads. Um, so, um, you know, just like, um, you know, so, so I don't have any sympathy for them. But, but I, I do... I mean, I'm, I'm aware cognitively of the fact that there are, are different groups that exist. And I, I would certainly put the dude who's marching with a legit Nazi flag. Um, um, he goes to the bottom rung of hell, in my opinion. Well, I mean, it's... it's to, like, to me, like, to me I, I guess because this, they both instill the same level of fear. Okay, but I'm just saying, if if I'm running into the middle of that, if if I decide I'm punching one of these fuckers, right? Right. Like, and I run in, if I see a dude, like, just, like, you know, wearing, like, a white cloak, or I see the dude holding the Nazi flag... You're gonna punch the Nazi flag. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the one who gets me the most... I'm, I, you know, I'm going for the dude with... The, the dude with the Nazi flag is getting it in the nose. Well, see, if I have time, I'll double back. But I'll tell you who's getting it first. For me, it's they, 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 both of them instill the same level of fear. And, of, and, 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 and when I mean fear, I don't mean like I'm, you know, 
cowering in a corner fear, but that same fear that you have to, that, that 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 you have just being, and I hate to say it this way because it doesn't, but just being black in America. You know, See, I was gonna say, and, and that's one of those places where it's hard for me to identify with that because I'm I'm not a black man. Um, I it makes me more sad. Um, it doesn't make me fearful. Um, it, it makes me fearful for my friends, but it's hard, you know, that, that's where having conversations like this, I think are important because, you know, like I've had conversations with some friends of mine. Yes. I have a black friend, Jason, another, uh, another black another friend, one. another black friend. It's fine. I, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like you should have as many as you need. I, I, but you know, I've had conversations about, um, like, like when everything was happening last summer, um, with the police shootings of unarmed black men, whether it was Flando Castile or, or things like that, um, you know, we, we had a conversation. I, I just I just said, help me understand this because there has never been a time when I've been pulled over and those who know me know that I have a lead foot and I've been pulled over many, many a times for many, many reasons by many, many a police officer and many, many a jurisdiction. Right. Um, and there's never, ever been a single time, no matter what I was doing and no matter how many hateful things I might eventually say in that exchange to the cop, never once has it crossed my mind that this could end up with me dead. It's crossed my mind this could end, up, could end up with me a baton across my ass. Right. But it's never crossed my mind that this dude may kill me for my conduct. And you know, I had a buddy who said every single time I get pulled over, there is, a question there is this of, terror. Right. It, oh my God, I need to you know be very careful or he might shoot me. And I... I I can sympathize with it, but I can't identify with it because right. I don't. Not, I, I can't. It's, ex- not, it's just not part of my experience. Right. So, so for me, like that's what I said. For me, those those two things are the same. And so when the you know the KKK came up and was like, "This wasn't us," you know, what I'm saying not our circus, not our clowns. We, I, you know, my mind, I'm like, but it is your circus, and it is your clowns because you created this. And I had someone say. You know, kind of in a, a back and forth uh, on Facebook, you know, hate, you know, hate happens in all races. And I'm like, yes, but that isn't what we're talking about right now. You know, this is, we're talking about a specific instance with a specific group of people. And let's not pretend, you know, and, and, I, and I've realized that I have to say, I have to be very careful what I say on, you know, on social media platforms or on, not, not so, so much on here. Um, but on social platforms, media platforms, because I have to be careful not to offend someone else and not to paint a broad brush. But I, you know, I started thinking to myself, we act like cis straight white men didn't write the book on racism, you know, saying didn't write the book on bigotry. And so for someone to say, oh, well, you know, every group has, you know, every, yes, every group hates. Every group has prejudice. Right. Um, you know, because I, I think, I think we've had this discussion before. Uh, it's actually impossible for a minority group to be racist. Um, you said it, not me. Go for it. Do it. Well, I'm just if you actually look if you actually look at the definition of racism, um, it, it it's a power issue. So you can't have. I mean, racism is is about one class of people, um, you know, dominating another class through, it, you know, whether it's whether it's banking policies or housing policies, that's where the institutionalized racism comes from. Um, 
So it's it's actually quite impossible for a minority group to be racist by the strict definition of the term. They can be prejudiced as hell. And I know a couple uh, of them in all races but are they, prejudiced. But, and, and, and I say look, they're all wrong. And somebody's going to get pissed off about it being a semantic argument. But um, it does show a little bit of your uh, of, of ignorance when you start clamoring about you know racist Mexicans when you're talking about illegal immigration um, because these people in the shadows... They may not like white people. That makes them prejudiced. But you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what racism is if you're using those terms interchangeably. And is that? I mean, no. Like I, <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I again. Would you? Are you? Will you? Pl- the fundamental disrespect. <laughs> well, I'm literally weird. Literally, are we listening weird. to South Park over here. No, but no. It's. I think that it's. A, that's not something that I can say, because if I say that, and then if I say that, then I somehow am, you know, playing the race card, or am, you know, being, you know, just. Why is it always got to be about race? And, and, and because I I don't have the and a lot of it is because I actually care about the people, my friends, and I care about their feelings, and so I don't want to you know hurt their feelings, just like I wouldn't want them to hurt my feelings. But you know, so I have to be careful about what I say. But you, on the other hand, you know that is also another point of your privilege is that you can say. Something like that. And no one's going to ever accuse you of playing the race card because you're a white. No, I'll have people tell me uh, I'm a jerk, um, you know, or say that I don't know what I'm talking about, things like that. Call me an idiot. Um, I generally find, at least for me, that, um, and I've had people tell me this before, I've had people tell me they're intimidated by, uh, you know, too intimidated to engage me in debate about things, which I find really really disappointing because like I said I, I, I love um, seeing things from the other point of view I love playing devil's advocate I want to understand um, you know why like I want to understand the policy reasons behind why people are upset about say Obamacare and you know because my big thing is <clears throat> I really don't care who gets the credit in, in situations like this I just want solutions right you know, I want workable solutions that make sense, preferably using utilitarian standard of what is best for the maximum number of people. Um, and and I think that you know there are there are also you know there are some other factors built in there. Like the one thing I, that's always been an issue with me um, about say gay marriage when that was still illegal and there were people upset about it. Um, you know, and and they would reject to it, object to it on religious grounds, and I was like, nobody's saying that your church now has to perform gay marriages. That's not what this law says. This law just allows gay men and women who live together and want to enter the sacred bond of marriage to do so, uh, and, you know, and have that recognized by the state, so that when it comes to inheritance laws or when it comes to health insurance. Or when it comes to all the things that we take for granted, you know, like I had to basically, 
when I married my wife, I had to basically like tell them that I was now responsible for her son. Um, even though I haven't adopted my stepson technically, I just had to tell them that I was and provide a social security number. And I was able to provide health insurance for this child who was actually of no blood relation to me. Um, you know, and, and you know, but there was a time five, 10 years ago where, um, you know, you and Paul could not be on the same insurance. You know, you didn't have the right to, I guess you could always make a will that he could inherit your stuff, but the rest of us, but the rest of us, if, if I died going home today, Angie just automatically gets all my stuff. There's no, there's no hoop she has to jump through. She doesn't have to go through this extra step. Um, you know, and I always, I never understood when people would object to it on religious grounds. You know, I was like, what is it hurting? Well, I was I, like, for, for the government to recognize these other people's rights. It's not infringing on your right in any way, shape, or form. You're still free to worship and have whatever opinion you want about gay marriage. But the government's just saying, we're going to treat these people equally in the eyes of the government. Which is why... I'm all for separation of church and state because I don't want you imposing your religious bullshit on me. But I just think people, I just think we're stupid people. Like, I just think we're stupid. They don't understand that. Like, there are these people who still think that, like, the First Amendment means I can say whatever I want and my bosses can't fire me. No, dummy. The First Amendment is a contract between the people and the government. If you say that your boss is an asshole, your boss can fire you. There's no First Amendment protection from your your employer. That doesn't exist. And if you think it does, again, it's because you don't know how to read enough books or you're not reading the right ones. I mean, and I think that there's a... a this conversation is all over the map. By it the is. Way. Like, okay. yeah. I'm just going to call this one a smorgasbord because we've talked about literally everything. It's um, just like the two of us sitting in a corner like... Like, it's, it's just what it is. Uh, but thanks everybody who watched on the Facebook Live. Um, turn it off now. You can catch the rest of this on the podcast. Um, but it's a, yeah, this is really all over the place. So let's, let me, let's, let's dial back. Let's go back to Colin for a second. Cause I've been trying to, I've been trying to go back to, I've been trying to figure out. I know you want me to talk Colin cause I, I have a sports background. So. Right. And so it's like the situation with Colin and, and kind of where he is. I, I've seen a lot of people, um, Posting the the picture of you know the, the Nazis protesting, you know doing that, and then Colin and says if you know you're bothered by one and not the if you're bothered by this, which is the Colin and not this, then that, that there's the problem. Yeah, and you know at first I was like super gung ho about that. I'm like yes, absolutely, you know. But then the other side of that coin is if you're bothered by Colin and not the Nazis, or you're bothered by the Nazis and not Colin. What's the difference? So I did a lot of a couple of soul searching, a little mm-hmm. bit of soul searching, and I'm like, because it's what it's about. Well, look, I will support a neo-Nazi's right to say what he wants, and within the law, um, you know, if they want to organize a protest, you know, now you still got to if, if you have to get city permits or you have to pay for police protect whatever. The First Amendment, like from a from a strictly constitutional perspective, they have the right to say what they want. Um, Colin Kaepernick has the same right, though, to take a knee, um, and people have a right to criticize Colin Kaepernick for that. People also have the right to organize a counter protest 
um, to the white supremacist movement. Um, I don't have a problem with people speaking um, because the Constitution says that you know they're allowed to to talk. Um, you know, I mean, it gives you the right to say whatever ignorant ass thing you want to you know vomit out your little mouth. Right. Um, and so my problem is, and I think the difference between um, Colin Kaepernick and uh, and the neo-Nazi skinheads is when the things that you say become action, when they become, when, when they transcend from hate speech to, uh, and become a call to action, you are then responsible for the actions that ensue. In Colin Kaepernick's case, you know, and he did speak. I mean, the kneeling was what was symbolic, he but he speak, did speak right. plenty of times about why he was kneeling and things like that. <laughs> and he was shining a light on what he felt was injustice, um, and and you know, in terms of the treatment of, in particular, young black males by the police in this country. And if you don't see a problem there, then first of all, you're probably not listening to this podcast because you're not open minded enough to see the reality of what's going on. Because clearly. Young black men are treated different. The the fear that the average white lady walking down the street has of you compared to me is probably at least tenfold. Right. Even though, let's face it, I'm from Raytown and I'm more likely to like take a woman's purse than you. <laughs> but she don't know that. All right. she she's going to see there there's an entrenched like fear of the black man. So I think that's part of it too. I think people people are scared. That Colin Kaepernick's getting a little too uppity, and we don't like it. So we need him. We need you to know your role, Colin, and it's not to tell us what to do. I think there's a huge element of that. Right. That's like you're an NFL quarterback. Appreciate the fact that and you have this opportunity. No, just because he's an NFL quarterback doesn't mean that he forfeits his right to have an opinion on whether unarmed black men getting murdered is a problem in this country and one that he thinks people need to pay more attention to. If you can, you know, raise, you know, shake your fist about abortion, he can shake his fist about police brutality all he wants. And you can disagree with him and he can disagree with you, but you don't get to try to silence him. Right. Okay? No, and here's the thing, though. Do you feel like, <laughs> do you feel like he is... Well, let me finish this point. His, okay. What his call to action was to say, listen... We need to address this. I don't necessarily know what the solution is, but we need to work to find a solution so that police and the black community can coexist in more harmony so that we break down some of those barriers and so that people stop getting shot. You know, we, and and I don't know if he ever said that the retaliation killings of police, whether it was in Baton Rouge or in Dallas, I don't know if he ever condemned those two or not. But I know that plenty of plenty of people who supported Colin and supported his right to say what he did also condemned right. the shooting of police. I, neither action is justified. Shooting an unarmed black man because you're a trigger-happy, terrified cop who's poorly trained is not excusable and should you should be punished for at the very least manslaughter, you know, reckless something, you right. know. You, there there should be a punishment for that. <clears throat> At the same time, fry the dude who's shooting police officers. Right. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, I, I'm against capital punishment, but uh, you know, but 
I don't. I'm, I'm not advocating that that man's some sort of hero. That man's every bit as disgusting, if not more, than than the cop. I mean, you know, because both of them were indiscriminate, hateful acts. Right. But Colin Kaepernick's call to action is is inert. It doesn't hurt anybody to try to open people's eyes to a problem and get them to be invested in it and to work for change. To to send an email to Sly James and say, please, sir, can we get better training? Can we put something in the budget? The call to action from a neo-Nazi skinhead who says that black people um, are the enemy and that white people are superior and that we need to wipe all gays off the planet, that then causes a problem child, um, you know, a mentally ill terrorist to drive a car into a crowd of people, that's where the difference is. It, it's the difference between crying, you know, yelling fire in a crowded theater. If you yell fire in a crowded theater and you create a panic, you're responsible for that action, okay? The Supreme Court has said that is not protected speech. That is not speech that's protected by the First Amendment. If your speech, like the neo-Nazis or the KKK, essentially becomes a call to action for the for the... Uns, you know, for the, the murder of other people, that's the difference to me. I'll respect your right to say it, but you also have to own the consequences of it. And and, <coughs> and I agree. And I think that that's where, that gets kind of where I come from, where, where I'm coming from on in that situation. But do you feel like, especially with kind of the reports, and you said, um, and kind of when I did a conversation before we started recording, you said that... Um, I mentioned that Marshawn Lynch, you know, it's been reported that he's not, he's kneeling now too. And there was another uh, person, another player who was kneeling, and they're not getting that same treatment. As a matter of fact, I was listening to something, watching yesterday, and Jack Del Rio basically was like, he does his thing, we do ours. Oh, you know, and I thought it was really interesting because Colin being, and I don't know if Colin was the first, um, I know he's the most he high profile. Mark, Marsh. Marshawn Lynch had sat during the anthem long before Colin Kaepernick started taking a knee. Um, and there have been... Protesting the national anthem is nothing new. Right. I mean, it, it you know, it, it, there's centuries-old tradition of it. Um, and, by the way, it's, it's protected free speech. I mean, 1968 in Mexico, you know, is a fairly famous one. Um, you know, so this is nothing new. For whatever reason, Colin dominated the news cycle, and maybe it's because he was willing to talk about it. Maybe it's just because he played quarterback, um, you know, uh, and was already a quarterbacks are already, uh, you know, high, a more highly scrutinized position than a running back or a linebacker in the NFL, and they're the kind of the face of the franchise. And he'd been a Super Bowl quarterback before, um, you know, and he'd been featured in. Uh, ESPN the magazine's body issue with all his tattoos and stuff like that. So maybe it's just because he was more famous. But there's no real real reason why that I can figure out why Kaepernick's protest drew more attention than, say, Marcus Peters, um, you know, when Marcus Peters uh, also um, protested during the national anthem. Um, before a Chiefs game last year, right? And you said that you know part of the reason you think that that or that might be that that Marshawn isn't getting the same kind of hate is because just he doesn't care, you know. Well, Marshawn does Skittles commercials and organizes like 
you know, he'll like tweet, I'm going to ride my bike at 445 on this block in Oakland and people come and see him. And he had that ridiculous like um, reality show where he's like over in Scotland talking to people. Marshawn's just kind of a, a lovable, goofy character. Um, he's pretty famous for um, not only the Skittles thing, um, you know, but um, like some of his investment strategies and how he hasn't spent a lot of his money and, you know, and then he, he you know, was kind of the anti-hero um, in the Super Bowl when, you know, he complained that he the coach didn't give him the ball and, and Russell Wilson ends up throwing a pick and the Patriots end up winning the Super Bowl and he kind of became – you know, this, you know, it, you know, everybody who hates the Patriots, you know, will just tell you they'd have one less, Tom Brady would have one less damn Super Bowl if they just handed the ball to Marshawn. So he's kind of this cult-like figure that, is he the one that people just adore. Is he the one that during the press conference would say things like, I'm just here so I don't get fined? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he, he, yeah, he just showed up at the Super Bowl press conference. He didn't want to do press, um, but they're required to. That, and so. That's how he uh, answered every question. Yeah. <laughs> so he's kind of funny and even though he's bigger and blacker and from Oakland right. and a lot of things that, that would would be more scary to a lot of people um, than Colin Kaepernick um, uh, Marshawn isn't considered as threatening I, but, and I think that part of that is I, you know and, and this might this might be just me the fact that Colin is half white um, maybe I, I think I think the difference is like Marshawn has ne- I, to my knowledge Marshawn's never like gone out and like actively said oh I sit for this reason and this is you know whatever I don't think people are threatened by Marshawn he's he's not by and large he's not taken that seriously he's kind of got a goofy personality um, and so I don't think people look at him as being serious about many things, um, much less being serious about a protest about some substantive social issues, which he very well may be. On the other hand, Colin Kaepernick was very much in your face about why he was doing it. And, and I think, you know, plus quarterbacks are considered the more intelligent, thoughtful, heady guys, you know, like I said, the face of the franchise, the spokesman for the franchise, so I, I think when you see um, somebody who's not a worker bee, um, you know, um, speaking his mind, it, it catches a certain segment's attention a little bit more because, you know, they want him to go back to Know Your Role Boulevard. Right. Um, so final comment, the thing that I want to talk about, because we are hitting almost an hour, um, is... I don't even remember what I had mentioned it. Shit. Um, let's go back to, to... And yes, he's being blackballed. Oh, There's yeah, no yeah. way around it. I mean, and it, the thing is, is it's... And, and, and that's... It's sad. Like, I don't... It's incredibly sad. Ezekiel Jones, what, and his suspension will probably get reduced from six games. For those who don't know, he's a Cowboys running back who was accused of domestic violence, never charged. The, the woman kind of... One of those refused to press charges or... Maybe got paid to refuse right. to press charges. The NFL did its own separate investigation, determined there was enough evidence to substantiate that they believed that he had physically uh, and forcefully attacked a woman. And so they suspended him for six games under the uh, 
revised domestic violence policy that came about after they bungled the Ray Rice incident right. when Ray Rice was seen on caught on an elevator security camera knocking his wife out and then dragging her out of the elevator. Um, so they've they've NFL's gotten tough on it. Six game suspension, right? And I think there's a chance it'll get reduced um, from six games to four. Ezekiel Jones will be welcomed back in the NFL with open arms. Right. You can beat a woman. You can even be accused of murder um, or obstruction of justice. Right. You can be accused of sexual assault all you want. Ben Roethlisberger is the pie driver <laughs> of rape. I'm sorry. Let me stop doing that. I don't know that, that. I don't know how many women. I know that multiple women have said that he's that he's raped them. He's been accused. Uh, now he was never suspended. Um, even though he was accused multiple times, which again, we might be getting into white privilege area here because white quarterback, black running back, um, they are just treated differently. Right. Like Zeke doesn't get the benefit of the doubt and shouldn't, quite frankly, if you look at the evidence. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger does get the benefit of the doubt. Probably shouldn't. Right. Um, it's, I hate to bring it up, but it's kind of like Bill Cosby. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did something. <laughs> uh, we talked about that last week about you know if you want to kind of catch that discussion, just listen to the you know the Convocated Dumpster Fires, which is yeah. the greatest title for an episode ever. Um, but we talk about that. We talk about this the the excusing of bad behavior, and I think mm-hmm. it ties right along with within the NFL. You know, it's you. We tend to give these people a pass. Well, I'll also say that I think. Part of the frustration of some people, maybe not all, because I think there's just there's just a flat-out racist element to the Colin Kaepernick thing, but I think part of the frustration, too, um, is that a lot of people don't want politics and sports to mix. They go to watch a football game to get away from having to listen to whatever stupid crap Donald Trump did or how, you know, what... Or how terrified they are that Hillary's going to take their guns if she gets elected. Whatever it is these people are terrified of, politically or whatever. A lot of people don't want that infringing on their three hours of watching football or their nine hours of monitoring their fantasy team on Sundays. And so I think there was an element of that. And that's, that's, that's what I mean when I say, know your role, know your place. Is that, is that they're, like, they're, like, they're like, nobody cares. And the funny thing is, it's almost like... They're telling him to be an indentured servant, right. albeit a very handsomely well paid indentured remunerated servant. one. But they're basically telling him, you know, shut up and dance, monkey. We don't care what you think. Well, and I think that it's you know, and is that is that racist? It was a little racist, but it's fine. You know, it's not fine, but it's fine. We'll let it ride this time. We knew what you were saying in the context. Um, context is key. If you would just randomly said shut up and dance, monkey, I might have punched. <laughs> but um, no, I, I really, I mean, that's what people. I think that's that's the undercurrent. There is 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 entertain me, boy, entertain me. Don't tell right. me, don't tell me your politics. I don't care. But I think it's it's and Which, in that same conversation, someone you know they were like, this isn't the place, the time, the you know that I I understand protesting, but this isn't the time and place. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about to kind of end this. Is this idea that there is a time and place to protest? Um, well, there is, and it's whenever, it, whatever platform you have, it's when you decide to use it. Right. So, um, and and the other thing is like, a protest isn't any good if it doesn't make somebody uncomfortable. That's right. the whole point. It's supposed to motivate you to to see some to it's like get your butt moving, and that's why this is where I think that you know kind of like dovetailing with what we just talked about. 
this is where the undercurrent of like subtle racism that people don't even recognize comes in. You know, because what Colin Kaepernick is talking about so transcends football. Like, we should care. Like, we always say we want athletes to care more and stuff like that. We wish that people would be more like Muhammad Ali. Like, Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods got criticized forever, you know, because they were so beholden to their sponsors. They didn't want to make a sponsor. They didn't want to upset a sponsor, so they wouldn't say anything controversial. And people would just, you know, talk about how they were phony and all this kind of stuff. Um, You know, and... Of course, at the time, people hated Muhammad Ali. Right, I was like, he, Muhammad, they hated Muhammad Ali. <laughs> but, but 20 years later, 40 years later, he became one of the most revered people, you know, in, in, in American culture, except for the people who were extreme racists who hated him all the time. Um, but most people came around and saw the value in what he was saying and doing. People all the time say they want athletes to take a stand to be more proactive, you know, and then the moment one does, they tell them to shut up. Well, and I think it's an, I think it's an, the, the, you know, and... And we'll end this this part on this because there's something I want to do before we go before we finish. But I think it's interesting if you look at when you hear people talk about someone like Muhammad Ali and you know the reverence that they have for him now. A lot of it is the quotes that they're taking are taken out of context, or they don't say the whole quote. Like there's there was almost a whitewashing of, for lack of a better term, of Muhammad Ali. You know. Especially when it comes to like the Vietnam War and and some of the comments that he said about that, where he was like, you know, I never been called a nigger by you know by yeah, Vietnam. I ain't got a problem with the, you know. Yeah, you know, saying thing, yeah. things like that, where that I didn't know about until I was much older. Well, not much <laughs> older because you know, but I was in my like you know mid twenties that I was like, oh, there's this whole other side of him, you know, that, and I'm wondering if we will get to a point with. Like if he's ever able to get back into the game, um, will we get to a point where we will look back at what Colin Kaepernick did as a good thing? Some of most of us, some of us already see it as a good thing. But uh, his history will be—I predict that history will be kind to Colin Kaepernick and very unkind to the NFL for the fact that he did not get signed by a team this offseason. Got it. That is your prediction. So. We're going to end it on this note. Um, There's a thing that I like to do now called What Burns My Grits. You know, just something that annoys me. And I'm going to let you... That's a very southern title. Yeah, something (laughs) that burns my grits or oversalts my grains, some depending on the changes. Um, You have anything that's burning your grits right now? Oh, man, so many things. Um, Nothing that comes to mind, though. Do you have one? Would you like Um, to start? Let's see if I can come up with one. Do I have one right well, now? Or should give me the homework assignment ahead of time? <laughs> um, do I have... You know... When you... I always go back to like, you know, some ashy person. And when I mean ashy, I mean ashy in spirit. Ashy in soul. Okay. Um, I was going to say, you mean like they need lotion? <laughs> they, you know, they, they need lotion for their existence. Yes. You know, usually says something. Usually about, you know gay people yeah, or but I said something earlier and um, and, and I said we pretend like cis straight white men didn't write the book on racism you know and we we tend to anytime someone says to you you know this is a thing that's happening stop giving us something out like don't distract us from what we're actually talking about if I'm saying to you that 
I have real feelings about, or I feel, you know, as a black man in this country, you know, that the, the, the deck that I'm not winning starting the same race that you are, you know, in the same position that you are, that, you know, it takes me, you know, I have to work harder and make longer. Don't be like, well, you know, you know, everyone has problems. I understand that everyone has problems. You know, we get as a, you know, as a society that everyone's, not everyone's life is perfect. Not everyone goes as, you know, everyone goes through problems. What we're saying <coughs> when we say things like that is, you know, that we're not talking about equality of outcome. You know, we're not saying that you should be in, we should be in the same position in life because we've made different choices in life. But what we're saying is, is the quality of opportunity, you know, that we should have the same opportunities available and things are not there yet. Are they better than they were? Absolutely. Well, and they're never going to be. Right. Um, um, for a variety of reasons, because even if, even if nobody saw color or even if 6,000 years from now, we've all just gotten up in each other's business enough that we're, you know, indistinguishable from what we're all mocha, um, <laughs> You know, well, we're there's all, always going to be something. To, we're all caramel. Somebody's going to be rich. Somebody's going to be poor. Right. You know, I mean, there's there's always there's always going to be ways to divide us if we want ways to divide us. Right. But it, but there's what where that was kind of the uh, which is why we're not always we're never going to all start on the equal playing field. Is what right. I mean by that. Yeah. But <sighs> where you know when I say that, don't come back in and say, well, we all you know everyone. There's I, I've met racist black. Again, goes back to the statement that you made earlier. But I said, you know, what I said is it's almost like someone saying, you know what? Breast cancer really sucks. You know, that's a horrible disease. And then someone goes, well, what about... What about ball cancer? Right. And you're just like, (laughs) yeah, that sucks too. But we weren't talking about that. Yeah. You know, sometimes if you just sit back and just listen to what someone else is saying, you will gain perspective and may un- and you may have something to say to add to the conversation but if you immediately go back and be like well everybody is you know everybody has problems but you know it's no <laughs> we know that like we understand that everybody has problems sit back and just listen rather than like trying to to compete like we're not having the oppressive olympics like that's not what's going on yeah. just listen and i think it just makes me like I read the the, the, the the message and I immediately like got pissed because I'm like, we we're not talking about everybody else being racist. We're talking about the specific instance and how this specific instance sucks. You know, that's shitty. That's all you had to say was, man, that sucks. Yeah, that's what salted my grains and burned my grits today. Yeah, well, and I I think it's a defense mechanism. I also think it's just like I said, it's it's hard for people to. Even well-meaning people who think that I have a black friend, I can't be racist. It's that's still different than being able to walk a mile in their shoes or understand what it's like to walk a mile in their shoes. And even even you know even as much as I might try to sympathize, like I said, I can never truly understand it. Um, you know, uh, unless we could somehow switch bodies for a day and I could see how people look at me or how people treat me. You know. Um, you know, things like that. I mean, like if I walk into a gas station, does does the attendant eyeball me a little bit harder, you know, when I go over to the energy drink section because I got on baggy pants and he's sure I'm about to try to rob him, you know? Right. Um, you know, you know, and, and, and look, I understand the impulse to say, well, hey, my life's not fair either. 
you know, what about what I deal with, um, you know, and, and like you said, it's, it's not a competition. Um, and, and the thing that I've always found, or at least the thing I've learned is that especially when it comes to, um, you know, you or a black friend, a gay friend, a, a woman friend who, you know, wants to talk about something that's going on in their life that they feel is unjust because of something they can't control. You know, something, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's their sexuality or, you know, or their sexual preference or whatever it might be. And they're the color of their skin. Um, a lot of times it's somebody who feels marginalized. Right. It's somebody who feels like their voice isn't being heard. And it's pretty fucking arrogant to say to that person, oh, you don't feel like you're being heard? Well, what about my problems? <laughs> you know, instead of just saying... You know, instead of just saying, okay, um, you know, well, I'm sorry, you know, do you need to talk about it? Um, right. You know, how does that make you feel? And that's, I I think it's a fundamental problem, not just with race. I think it's a fundamental problem across the board. I think it's a fundamental problem in business between bosses and their employees with them not being able to say, hey, um, we're thinking about enacting this new policy. How would that affect your day-to-day job? Because I don't, I don't do what you do. I don't know how you operate on a day-to-day basis. We think that this would be a good idea, but practically applying it, I mean, how much is that going to just piss in your Cheerios every morning? Like, they don't do that. They just send down an edict and say, this is what we're doing. And then you're like, shit, man. And then six months later, if you got a good boss, he'll realize the folly of his ways and come back and say, oh, well, maybe, you know, we need to change this policy. And it's like, listen, man, if you'd have talked to me in the first place, I could have told you. Yeah. Right. Uh, Communicate. Basic communication is a problem, um, you know, whether it's in politics, whether it's in business and whether it's, you know, just dealing with social issues, trying to get to the root of problems. And I think if people would listen and try to understand one another, I, I think that um, we could go a long way. The ironic thing is, like we talk about like the, the, the clan and, and these these, you know, these white folk that are rallying and marching and, you know, and are so... So direly oppressed. Um, the reality is, and this is probably not true for all of them, but generally I think that they're, they're poor white people, um, you know, people who didn't have opportunities, whether it was education, things like that, to, um, you know, to make some of the choices in life that they would have liked to make. And the ironic thing is I think if they would sit down, like if Jay-Z and David Duke sat down and talked about like, some of the shit that, that happened to them and how it made them feel, they'd probably find a lot of common ground. Yeah. Um, you know, like... And someone asked, said something <laughs> about having a, you know, maybe sharing but, dinner with a white... And I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and it's not because... You can't come into well, my Well, but, but see, and, and, this, and this is where I would say, like, you need to change your opinion too. Like, you need to be willing to understand... Where he's coming from. And, and the reason I say that is not because you need to accept. I mean, the conversation may end with you cracking a glass over his freaking head. And, and that's fine. But if, if we are never willing to try to understand, like, where this race... If we're not willing to understand, like... Because most racism boils down to somebody's pissed off with their lot in life. And they feel like they got to point their finger at somebody else. Okay? And, you know, like, like I'm unhappy. Like... The world sucks, 
and it's black people's problem. And their father tells them that, you know, it's because affirmative action screwed him out of a job six years ago. Otherwise, he'd be a millionaire by now. He could have been Donald Trump if it weren't for affirmative action. Whatever, you know, or, you know, he, these Mexicans are coming in and, you know, they're, they're getting all these cheap jobs. You weren't going to work for 40 cents an hour picking strawberries anyway, jackass. You know, so I, I don't understand why you're so upset about that one. But they get mad about this. They don't even really know what they're mad about anymore. And if they would, if if people were just willing to sit down and have conversations, I think it would go a long way in healing the divide. I think the biggest problem with rural America right now and why rural America was so eager to jump on the Trump bandwagon is because he was telling them what they wanted to hear. They were too ignorant to understand that it was all bullshit and it was all a show. Um you know, in terms of some of the policy stuff he was talking about. And, you know, he's telling, I'm not taking your guns and we're going to outlaw abortion. And, you know, there'll be no gay people in your neighborhood, you know. And, and, and they're like, that all sounds good to me. Sign me up. And, you know, and a lot of, some of these people have met one or two black people in their lives, right. you know. And if they would just, you know, if they would have a conversation, it would break down some of the fear. And the other thing is, it's a lot harder to hate someone, just indiscriminately hate someone if you actually get to know them, right. um, it's a lot harder, you know, like if you, because then you see them as a person. It's the same problem I encounter on the road. If I could ever get to the point where I see other people instead of cars that create an obstacle course for me to maneuver at the fastest rate of speed possible, I would probably be a more friendly driver, less prone to flipping people off and safer on the road. But I, all I see is cars. All I see is people in the way of me getting where I want to go. And I'm a selfish jerk about it. But it's because I don't see them as people. And I know this. And I would be lying if I said I was trying to work on it. You're not. That's I'm not. Fine. But that's, that's I mean, you know, I, I refuse to see people in that situation. And so it makes it really easy for me to flip them off and to maybe tailgate too close and, uh, you know, curse at them when they're driving too slow and I'm in the back and I'm hoping they're looking in the mirror seeing me drop F-bombs on them. It's probably, probably going to be But it's the same thing. I mean, <laughs> if, if you don't actually know a black person, you've never actually talked to him, you've never sweated with him, bled with him, you know, broken bread with him, it's really easy to, to think he's less than, think he's subhuman and to, uh, you know, and, and to hate him for no reason. All right, well, on that note, um, we are going to go ahead and end tonight because I said an hour and it's been almost an hour and 20 minutes. Todd, once I again. I talk way too much. Thank you. Um, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. Just come in and knock it out of the park. You do it every time. Um, don't forget to uh, subscribe to us on wherever you can get your podcasts. Uh, like us on Facebook. Check uh, Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Um, so, uh, donate to the patron page um, because we need things. Um, I'd like to make this much better. Um, Todd, is there, if you have any, if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you if you would like them to? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook, but I think you have to be like friends of a friend of mine to find me right. on Facebook. Um, you know, but other than that, I've got a professional journalist page, but if you don't. If you don't follow a particular sports team, you're probably going to be very disappointed with it. <laughs> okay, well, you can find Todd whenever he has time to come on the show. So um, I, I try to actively avoid social media <laughs> that I don't have to do. <laughs> um, also, don't forget if you guys liked anything on this episode or hated anything on this episode or have questions, have anything that you, or comments, anything, 
Um, you can leave the comment on SoundCloud. You can email us at kccaffeine at gmail.com. Um, you can always tag me on it, too, and then people can just find me that way. Yeah, I will do that. I will tag Todd on this episode. And anyone who wants to you know, cuss Todd out about some of the things that he says here, by all means, he will welcome it. Because he will give it right back to you. And it won't be the first time. <laughs> so, um, uh, on that note, that is our episode. That's our show tonight. And stay woke, folks.